If you don't already know, if you would look to your Bibles in Luke chapter 4. The third week, we're going to make it the last week that we're looking here. Hopefully, it won't last forever, but we're going to make it uh, today as we look at Luke chapter 4. We've been reading this, and starting in verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed him, and rolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing We've been looking at this message of Jesus' mission, in a sense, as he starts out with this prayer, looking at how he says in that specifically, verses 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord on him and proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind and the oppressed, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. This is his mission to set the captives free. And it is a mission that he's calling all of us to join him in. Those who are his to join him in setting captives free. But that becomes difficult, as we talked about last week, when we don't see people being set free. When we don't see miracles like we think are in the Bible being worked out for today. And if you were with us last week, you know that the first answer to the question of why... We don't see Jesus setting captives free to why we don't seem to see the miracles that we see in the Bible. The first answer to that question is because we're not looking. We're not looking for them. We're not really looking. We're not looking in the right place. I showed you a video last week about that, how Jesus is about setting the captives free even today. A video that I said I found right on the Alliance website. But so you think I don't just kind of picked out there's only one in there. I want to show you a, another one here um, of what, as Jesus still sets the captives free. I got typhoid, paratyphoid. I was terribly, terribly sick. Mother and daddy threw me in the car and they rushed to Beirut because there's American hospital there. But by the time I got to Beirut, uh, I was gone. And so seven doctors, American doctors, all examined me because there weren't many American kids in there. And uh, they said, well, we're very sorry. And they put me on a gurney and put a sheet over me to take me to the morgue. And Daddy said, don't, don't take her tonight. You can have her in the morning, but we're going to pray all night, and we'll see what God will do. If he can use her, uh, he'll bring her back. So I, I don't remember that part, but I do remember waking up at six o'clock in the morning and throwing that sheet off, sitting up straight and saying, yeah, I want some ice cream. And they almost fainted. And God surprised them big time. I was beautifully healed and I have been the most healthy. And at 93, there aren't many people that are more healthy than I. But God has, it's all the Lord. It's nothing I've done and not my heritage, but God has been so faithful, not just during that time. 
That's just a snapshot from Evelyn Mangum, missionary to Vietnam, and yet uh, grew up in a missionary home. So, does Jesus still set captives free? He just heard her personal testimony. Raised up. And what God still does. So let me ask this. How many of you, I've asked some of these before, but how many of you have seen Jesus set captives free? You yourself. Let me see your hands. How many of you have seen God do something miraculous in your life? I mean, in the last year, let's go with the last year here, has seen God do something amazing in which you've experienced freedom, healing, or life in the last year? We need to give God glory for that. Give Him glory to tell, to speak of that. There are many hands that were up, but the truth is there are many churches all across the United States here where there wouldn't be very many up, hands held high. They fully believe it with their head and with their heart. They really want to believe it, but they are not seeing it with their hands, so to speak, not right there, not around them. Not seeing God move in some miraculous way. Why is that? Last week I said it was because we're not looking, but you know what? There are some people who are looking. There are those who sincerely are looking for God to move and work that want God to do something here. So why don't we see it? Why don't we see we really want God and we're wanting that, but we're not seeing it? The answer to that question lies with the people who are listening to Jesus speak here in Luke chapter 4, when in verse 20... He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Think about it. Jesus just talked about that. He was, they recognized that he was reading out of Isaiah 61. They were desperate for what I just said. They were desperate in their day to see that happen. And when they heard today, today, that Scripture is fulfilled in their hearing, they were excited about that, surely, because the problem, but the problem is, what were they excited for? Today, the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Yes, yes, that's great. But many of them did not see what they wanted to see. Many of them listening to Jesus here did not see the captives being set free. At least not the way they wanted. Because the captive they wanted set free was themselves from Rome. It didn't work out the way they thought the scripture was supposed to work out. Not in the way they thought Jesus was supposed to answer it. Did you know what I mean? I have a bag over there. Where'd that go? All right. So the reason that they didn't experience and they didn't see it, and you, as you read the rest of the passage, they turned against Jesus. They were ready to kill him. The reason they didn't see it is because of this. Well, maybe not this one. Everybody has their own. 
I know you guys have some too of these. Okay. The reason people don't see, the reason people in Jesus' day did not see captive set free, did not see the miracles, is because they had the blinders on. The blinders that were only going to see what was in front of them right now. This is what Jesus had to do. This is what I need. Set, that we need to, if he's going to set the captive free, then we need to be free from Rome. This is it. They didn't want to see anything on the side, nothing anywhere else than what they thought than, other than what was right in front of them. And I submit to you today that the problem with so many people in our churches is and why we are not seeing captives set free, why we are not seeing God work miracles is we are looking for them with blinders on. Boy, there's not a lot of people here today. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. We are limiting our vision to only see what God will do right now, right here in front of me, the way I want it. We have blinders on. We narrow our definition of a miraculous deliverance to only those things that go boom, poof. That's a miracle. That's God working. We see these blinders on kind of attitude with the last phrase of that that we didn't cover yet. That last phrase of verse 19 To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Or some versions say to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now we didn't hit that yet. And some of you are like, well, that sounds good. Proclaim Lord's favor. Yeah, what that means is to proclaim the year of Jubilee. It's about proclaiming the year of Jubilee, a reference to Leviticus, uh, Leviticus 25, verses 8 to 13. That year of Jubilee was a 50th year celebration of release and freedom of both persons from slavery or any kind of obligations of service. All property reverted back to its original owners, not to mention debts were done and labor ceased and there was nothing but resting and rejoicing. It was a time of liberty for all. Jesus says when he's saying, set the Claiming the prisoners free, recovery of sight for the blind, release the oppressed. All that sounds like, wow, that's really amazing. But even more amazing than that is to proclaim the year of Jubilee. Whew. They, you know, if they weren't already excited about as he's preaching and going on, they, if they weren't excited about it, they really were excited about this. And when he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They wanted it to happen. Boom. Poof. They wanted it all right then and there. They were looking for that scriptural promise of the year of Jubilee to be completed right in front of their eyes. To deliver them from the captivity that they were in. They only wanted to see what Jesus was talking about, though, with their blinders on. There's only one way they could see this whole year of Jubilee happening right here. And because of that, because they had the blinders on, they missed the miraculous. And I tell you today, because we wear blinders on, we miss the miraculous. We miss it. It's not so much that, as Jesus was talking there, that Scripture was to be fully completed on that day. Today, Scripture is fully completed, but rather that the fulfillment of that Scripture began the day 
that Jesus came. But it began in a way that would be outside their blinders viewpoint. Which is not unlike a lot of scriptures that we see in the word of God. Where there's not just this year of jubilee but others. Where there is a fulfillment that is both now and not yet. Now and not yet. It is happening now, the year of jubilee, yes. But also not yet. There's a sense of Jesus coming was both now, right then and there where you're speaking to him, because he did come. But it was also a sense of not yet. Not yet. In his second coming, in the revelation it speaks of. We're talking about Jesus' mission of setting people free. There is a sense in that, that it is now and not yet. Now and not yet. Both and. And there's a tension there. To believe both at the same time. To recognize that the answer to what we're looking for may be both now and not yet. In fact, this whole element of this now and not yet is even hinted at in what Jesus uh, didn't say. I didn't turn there. These are the verses together, the Luke 4, along with the Isaiah 61. You'll notice there's a part that Jesus didn't say. We don't have time to get into that this morning, but... It, again, deals with a now and not yet of what he didn't say to them and how that just upset them because it wasn't within their viewpoint, within their blinders and what they are on. So what do we need to do? We must take off the blinders that limit how he sets us free. Number one, take off the blinders of how he sets us free. We keep in mind that Jesus did not only work in one way. Jesus' work was all boom, poof. You're all better. That's it. But he worked through a variety of ways in the Bible. And the problem is that our desire with our blinders on is to see the miraculous. But it has to be the miraculous that is instantaneous or at least pretty close to this. And so we limit how God is going to work and his will out in our lives. Miracles of where God's divine intervention happens, we are missing. In fact, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the definition of miracles, says, is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. An extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. That's not many Christians' definition of miracle. We have much narrow. This is God working in our life. We miss miracles happening around us because we're walking with blinders on, with this narrow division of how God's got to do it, how God is supposed to work. This is what I remember reading in the Bible, you know, how it's got to work. And so we put God in a box. We don't see God working today like he did in the Bible times, somebody says. And the problem is that's because you're reading the Bible with blinders on and you only want to see those certain kind of passages where God worked in a certain miraculous way. That's what you want to see. Like 
the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, the first part, when everybody's getting all kinds of things and it's going good and Abraham and Moses and he got all this great stuff, but we don't want to hear and read. We want to keep the blinders on from reading the last part of Hebrews 11. God was in both. Check it out sometime. Unfortunately, what that means is for some, if he does not work the way that you think he should work, then that means that God did not come through. If it doesn't happen the way you think it should happen, if it doesn't happen the way you, not only you want in your life, but the way you think this is the way God works, this is the miraculous, this is how he does it, then he didn't even do anything. But really, if we think about it, if everything happened to everyone in a way that was narrowly defined with the blinders on kind of right now miraculous, everything happened that way, then nothing would be miraculous. Are you following me? If everything happened that way, nothing would be miraculous because nothing would be extraordinary. It would all just be ordinary every day. And if that's what happens, then God doesn't get the glory. God doesn't get glory at all. He goes completely unnoticed. Look at God's word. There's no doubt that Jesus heals over and over and over. There's no doubt that Jesus sets the captives free. Yet he does not do it in the same way with every person. For some, he just spoke a word. The person wasn't even there. Three different ways. Think about it. John chapter 4, 36, 46 to 54. We read about a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And he heard of Jesus' arrival in Galilee. And he begged Jesus to come and to heal his son who was close to death. And Jesus said, go. I mean, I'm summarizing this passage. Jesus said, go, your son will live. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him and the news of the boy was living. And then he asked them about the timing of when his son got better. And that's when we read in verse 53. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so he and his whole household believed. My son's sick. My son's near death. Jesus said, go, your son's healed. Boom, poof. That's a boom, poof. Right then and there, they did it. But that's not the only way Jesus does it. We read in Matthew chapter 9 about uh, two blind men that came to Jesus. They were all on the road and they wanted and they brought, they had the two blind men come. And he says, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they replied, yes, Lord, we believe. And so he touched their eyes And said, according to your faith, it is done to you. And their sight was restored. Now, the first guy, all Jesus did was just say, okay, it's done. Just by a word, Jesus healed. Just by a word, Jesus set that captive free. But these guys had to go to Jesus. And Jesus touched their eyes. If we just went with the definition of the very first way with our blinders on jesus you can only answer this way you got to do this way but then even in the second way here 
We have these blinders on. No, it has to be this way. This is just touched and he's going to touch you today and that's just going to be it. But there's another way in John chapter. All right, we see. And again, not going to get into the whole story in this chapter here. But what takes place is we read the story of a man that was born blind. In verse 6, it says, After Jesus saying this, he spit on the ground and he made some mud with saliva and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam, the word that means sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His blinders were literally taken off. But they were not taken off by a word from Jesus. They were not taken off by a touch from Jesus. In fact, right then and there, the now healing didn't happen for this man. He had to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Why? Why when one person, all Jesus had to do was say a word. He had to go and wash. There was a process. There was a not yet healing that he had to experience. We need to take the blinders off and allow God to heal how he wants to heal. To allow Jesus to set free how he wants to set free. And we see him doing it many different ways throughout the word of God. So many times we're just stuck And the one thing, that one way right in front of us that we think that's the way it's got to be. We put our our blinders on. There's a sense that it doesn't have to be this grand miraculous thing. And we recognize that, you know what? Something happens. And, and, And we're challenged about it to admit, hey, well... It's a blessing, isn't it? Isn't what just happened to you? Is that somehow a blessing? Yeah, I suppose it's a blessing. Is it God? Yeah, I suppose God's helping me out. I, yeah, that, I think that's God there. But that's not really the way I really thought God was going to do it. It's not, there's no ta-da. There's no boom. There's no poof. Yeah, there's no miracle with a capital M, a now thing. Is that really true? Take the example of Moses. Moses, when he was born, all the babies were being killed, right? I mean, we're not going to turn back. Everybody, I'm hoping we kind of have a sense here together. Moses, all the babies are going to be killed, and his mother put him in a basket, hoping to save his life. He was taken up and rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter. And to some people, that would just be fortunate. Because a lot of kids didn't get saved, but most just happened to be. It was just a, a coincidence. Now, to most Christians who are really sincere in their faith, they would say, that's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. God did that. God arranged it so that Moses would be saved. But unfortunately, to a lot of Christians, even though they would say God helped him to be saved... They wouldn't call that a miracle. They wouldn't call that 
by their definition of what they were looking for, what they think. Because if it really was, then he, she never would have had to put him in a basket. She never would, have, never would have had to be picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter. Never would have had God really done the miracle. If he really done it, we wouldn't have to go through all this thing. And then all oh, the rigmarole of the sister following and everything else that went on. It wasn't big enough. It wasn't dramatic enough. It wasn't supernatural enough. Think about it. He just floated down the river and she happened to be out there. That's not supernatural, somebody would say. That's not something that is a set the captives free kind of miracle. And yet, the almighty God of the universe was interacting in human affairs. That's a miracle. And we miss... And what we also miss is that in that process of the not yet that was happening with Moses and the side view that you couldn't see because he had the blinders on of what God needed to do for us as Egypt, as we're here in Egypt, we got this whole, what we couldn't see was God of the universe, not just interacted in that, but he was using Moses, building Moses, making it to the point that he brought about a massive plan to set the captives free of all of Israel. Moses, that day he was saved, may not seem like that big of a miracle, but when all of the nation of Israel comes out, because God uses Moses, that is... There are ways that God is working in your life and we need to take the blinders off and see and realize not only that He is working and give Him glory and credit for that, but to recognize that perhaps God is also doing in you through this process a not yet miracle. A not yet miracle that is yet to happen, but He was doing off to the side that you could see if you just take the blinders off. When you consider it, And consider who we are. Consider that we are sinners. Consider that we don't deserve anything from God. Then anything we get is miraculous in itself. Especially when we don't turn to God first. Instead, a lot of times we turn to God last. We turn to God at at the last minute when there is no other solution, no other place to turn, no time left, no time left to look for a last minute miracle, except to look for a last minute miracle from heaven. We put ourselves in situations that we think require God to deal with the thing that's right in front of us. Our blinders are so focused and we've waited till the last minute. There is no other way for God to work but right here. Why should we expect God to answer our last minute prayer when we weren't expecting him to work in our lives before that. And then we like blame God. Like God where are you? You didn't do anything. The last minute and nothing happened. When we have these blinders on. We have a tendency to not wait on the Lord. If we don't see it right in front of our eyes. There's a sense that many are not fully trusting in God alone. And therefore not fully giving our problems to God Rather, in a time of need, yes, we religiously throw up our, throw up our hands. God, help me. But if he doesn't turn the light green right away, then we turn right on red. 
And there is no turning right on red in heaven. It's illegal there, by the way. Just letting you know. Now what we do? If it doesn't turn green right away, it's got to turn. God, here's what I'm asking you. And we're looking and we got the blinders on. You got to turn it green right now. If it doesn't, we just do our own thing. We, those same hands that we just lifted up to God, we take and work out our problems on our own. Because obviously God helps those who help themselves. Second book of Benjamin Franklin, if you need to look that up. Someone asks, so what about medicine? Is medicine taking it into our own hands? Are we helping ourselves instead of hoping in the Savior by going through medicine? There's two issues with this. One is the question is, first, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting? When you talk about what about medicine, who are you trusting? For example, when you have a really bad headache, that's an easy one, a simple thing. When you have a really bad headache, where do you turn to first, the medicine cabinet or Christ? There's nothing wrong with having aspirin or ibuprofen or all the rest of the other, acetaminophen and all those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with having those. But the question is our attitude of our heart first. Before we talk about our action. Are we truly trusting in Christ? Because when we think of then of medicine and the medical field. That doesn't have to mean we're trusting in man. That's not doesn't have to be a bad thing. That doesn't have to be this is the way God can work. Is the way God has worked because it, we recognize that knowledge, whatever wisdom, whatever truth, whatever m- the medical field has, all truth comes from God. Whether they want to acknowledge it or not, it doesn't matter. All truth comes from God. And therefore, God's already worked in the medicine, already worked in the medical field. And he can use it as part of a healing process of not yet. That is how he can work. He can use the wisdom and knowledge that he has given to the medical field to bring about setting the captives free. In fact, there are places in the word of God that are outside the blinders of the boom poof kind of miraculous where God uses things that are medical in a sense, things that are that, that you would take or, or do, like uh, Paul in First Timothy t- talks to him about what to do about his stomach. And the Old Testament, Isaiah 38, verse 21, Isaiah the prophet tells Hezekiah's uh, servants to make a poultice of figs and spread it over the boil and Hezekiah will recover. And it says, in Kings, it says, Hezekiah did recover. Now, what he was going through and everything is not just about that the poultice and oh, it was figs and that's what did it. That was the how he did it. But ultimately, as you read the passages there, you see it was God who brought the healing. It was God who did it, but he did it through that way. Or let's even talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke, by the way, a physician who wrote that. And remember that the man who was hurt, the Good Samaritan came along and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine and brought him to an inn and took care of him. There was not the boom, poof. But there was how God worked 
and moved. These are not some kind of cop-out answers to somehow let God off the hook, but rather to let God get the glory for all that he does, however he does it. The credit that needs to be for him, the praise that he should be getting, if we would just take the blinders off and see God is working over here, God is working over here on my behalf, God is working there, not just where I'm looking and I don't see God working because that's the only way I want to see him right here. We must take the blinders off that limit how God works, but also we need to take the blinders off that limit when he sets us free. We want Jesus to deliver us before the problem overtakes us, to deliver us from the trouble right now. But sometimes the deliverance is not yet. Have you ever said to yourself or heard someone else say something like, Jesus, when are you going to deliver me? Jesus, I'm waiting. You're cutting it really close. The problem is like right here in front of me, Jesus. It's right here. If you don't do something soon, I'm going to run right into it or it's going to run over me. And that's when Jesus says, not yet. Okay, Jesus, I'm waiting still. He, I, 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 I'm ready. Okay. And she said, not yet. It's getting close. It's like right up by. It's coming. It's going to hit me. This problem is going to hit me hard. And she says, not yet. And instead of poof, your problem is gone. It is a boom. Your problem runs right into you. Maybe at times feels like it runs right over you. Because of the blinders, we wonder what happened to God. You know what? Why didn't you do something? Stand up. All right, you're going to help me. Come on over here. All I want you to do, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to wear this. You just have to stand beside me. Can you do that? Yes. I don't, no matter what happens, I don't want you to leave my side. I want you to stay right beside me. You good? Okay. Okay. Man, where'd that kid go? I told him to stay right beside me. I can't believe this. I was expecting that he said, yeah, and that's what he would do, that he would keep his word. But no, he's off somewhere. Who knows where he is? Are you guys with me? That's what we do with God. Where were you? Right there. Good answer. You know, where is Jesus? Right there. He is. But the problem is we put these blinders on. We're wondering, he's left me. He hasn't helped me. The problem hit me. The problem ran over me. Where is he? Right there. He hasn't gone anywhere. Through all the smoke of the crash, you hear God say, I am still right there beside you. I am still delivering you. I am with you in the midst of the fire. When the smoke is so heavy that you can't see your way out, you don't have to see a way out. I am your way out. I am the fourth man in the fire who takes hold of your hand and tells you, do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 41, 13. 
when we take the blinders off, we can trust God who can miraculously deliver us just as much as God can miraculously deliver us from the problem. This same God can miraculously deliver us through the problem. He says in Isaiah 43, but now this is what the Lord says who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Can we look back? And just take those blinders off for a minute and look back in our life and see that some of the things we went through in life, it's a miracle that we made it through it, right? Some of the things that it's just a miracle that we made it through. It wasn't what we were looking for. It wasn't what we wanted. Maybe we had blinders on at that time. But now you're facing something else perhaps today. And you need to give God room to do the miracle when he chooses to and give him credit when he does to recognize that he is right there with you through. You want a deliverance from, and he's saying, I'm going to deliver you through. I'm actually going to walk with you through the fire. And if you think about it, in my mind at least, it is more of a miracle that God would walk with you through a fire than that he would stop and have you walk around the fire. Isn't that, doesn't that make sense to you? It's more of a miracle to be walking, have somebody walk with you and you actually walked through the fire, through it. That is more a miracle than if you got to go around it. But on our blinders, we want the deliver us from, take us around. It's a bigger miracle going through. We need to take the blinders off and expand our definition of what not yet is about even more because it's not just a delivery from, it's a delivery through our problems. In a sense, not every problem is... There's a sense that some things we can say, this too shall pass. We will make it through. But let's be real. Not every problem on this earth is something we're going to put behind us right here. We don't always make it through every problem while we are still here. The deliverance is not yet. It's the deliverance to come. For example, we said not everyone is healed right here, right then, every time. Sometimes we have to wait for the full healing to happen. Like the Apostle Paul. I mean, surely he had it in good with God, right? He knew what was going on. He trusted God. And yet, this thorn in the flesh, in 1 Corinthians 12, we read that... Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul got a not yet answer. Because there was something else that God was doing him. Something great in that moment that he was waiting for a greater moment. Yeah, last week we talked about, the last couple of weeks, we talked about in verses 18 and 19 and that mission of Jesus and setting the captive tree and all those kind of things that many of those things listed there are things that have spiritual application. 
Some of them had really no other application at that time, but spiritual application. It's not just that by saying that, that we shouldn't, we should take it as some kind of cop out or that, well, God, God just is interested in the spiritual stuff and not the physical. That's not true. Well, we've got to get rid of the physical only blinders. God has to work right now, right here in the physical, the only way. This is how he does it. And to recognize that God wants to do it in other ways. I mean, sometimes I think the blinders are, we, we, what we don't get is, uh, Jesus did not leave heaven to make our brief stay on earth a little nicer. I was thinking about this. Jesus did not leave heaven and everything up there and all that was on and all the throne and come down here on earth just so our stay here could be a little nicer, so we could feel a little better. You know what? It's, it's that same way that Jesus' mission went far beyond helping us to feel better. And sometimes I think we've got this, these blinders on that all we want is we just want to feel better right now. Now, please understand, Jesus does that. But we make that to be, that's the main thing. That's the only thing. That's what we're completely focused on. Jesus didn't come to earth just so that we could feel better about things. His mission was so much bigger, so much more. There is more that he wants to do in your life than just that. We're not saying that Jesus doesn't work physically. He does but there are things even greater than that not yet coming. Because the reality is that the physical is temporary, temporal. Whatever healing, whatever freedom we experience, even if we experience a healing from now throughout our entire life, it is still only a brief time compared to the spiritual, which is an eternal forever. And that's a big difference. That matters. For some reason, we've got these blinders on where that doesn't matter. I think about it this way. If you had an old clunker of a car that you just kept having to fix, you're never sure whether it was going to work or not going to work. Uh, it just kind of kept breaking down on you. But if you just hold out for a couple more months, you are going to inherit a brand new state-of-the-art, deluxe vehicle. Could you hold out for a couple months with that old clunker of a car? Because you know you're going to inherit. you got to wait a few months. You're going to be inheriting this brand new, amazing vehicle. Guess what? If we just hold out for the few moments that we live on this earth, we are going to inherit a brand new state-of-the-art heavenly body not yet but it's coming he will set us free he will if we will let him do it when he wants to and not be as he chooses to wait to wait sometimes for that healing 
that only happens when we are face to face with Him at full, final healing. But it, 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 we don't see it. If we've got these blinders on, the defining the miraculous, defining what God's got to do right now, we're missing out. It's not an excuse. It's not a cop-out to talk about what we're going to see in heaven, that heaven one day in the new body, and all we're going to get. It's not, not a cop-out because it, and it's not an excuse of why we don't see things happen. Because if it is, then we're missing what heaven is about. We're missing the glorious things that await just being in His presence. What's happening is this temporary, tiny, very, very brief amount of time that we are on this earth, we're making, that's it. And we're missing the glorious eternity we're going to be with Him forever. It's going to happen. Not yet, but it's going to happen. We pray for His will to be done. And we need to understand that that may mean not yet. But we also need to understand that His will, if we don't know what it is to be done, may be right now. And here's that tension I talked about at the beginning. Is that when we come to God for prayer, for those things that are going on in our lives and what's happening in other people's lives, we need to believe that God can bring about and set you free right now just as much as He can not yet. And that God may do it not yet just as much as you believe He can do it right now. To trust Him. To not take away by saying, oh, heaven someday, then it's here on earth. Jesus did do miracles. Jesus did move. But in all these things, we must not lose sight of, and all our blinders must not lose sight of the Savior. Spending so much time with our blinders on, focused on our situation, we're missing the Savior. We need to get our focus on the miracle worker and not the miracle that we're looking for. To get our focus on the giver, not the gift that we're hoping that He gives. To get our focus on the Savior, not the solution. Take off the blinders. And be able to have the faith of the saints of old that trusted God to do the miraculous, all-inspiring, wonder-filled, amazing things that only God can do right now and yet also trust God can just as miraculously choose to deliver us not yet ask that the worship team would come as we get ready to close out the night today that we would take the blinders off in fact if I asked that same question I asked at the beginning I asked you those questions how many of you have seen Jesus set captives free If we take the blinders off, do you think it's possible you might see more set free? In fact, in your own life, and ask how many of you have seen God do something miraculous in your life, even in the last year? Is it possible if we take the blinders off that there were things that happened in the last year? We missed them because we were so focused on what we had to have, what we needed God to do, and He has to do it, and He has to do it our way, the way we say it and when we say it. And could it be possible in this next year if we take the blinders off that we will see God do more miracles than you have ever seen in your life because, not because He's doing more, but because we see more.
because we're looking for him more. Father, I pray that you'd help us to trust you. To trust you for the now and to trust you for the not yet. That you would help us to take off, Jesus, take off the blinders. That we would stop boxing you in today and choose to let God, let you be God. We want to see you. Lord, as much as we say we want to see you move like we're asking to move, some of this is we don't need to ask you to move. You already are. We're just not seeing it. Open the eyes of our hearts to see you, Jesus. Open and take off the blinders. see you do the the miraculous now and see you do that miraculous that's not yet coming. Because Jesus, we know you still set captives free. Whatever it is, you're still working. Even in us.